Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. We are going to conclude our series on seven signs today. We've been going through the Gospel of John, looking at the miracles of Jesus, and we've learned at the end of John's Gospel that, that uh, he wrote this Gospel not to give you all the things that Jesus had done, but to focus on some of the key signs that Jesus had done so that you might believe and I might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing we can have life in His name. You know, to kind of go back, the very first, um, the very first sign happened at a wedding. And what you're going to find today is the seventh sign happens after a funeral. How ironic. But the first sign was at a wedding where he turned the water into wine. And Jesus is God's joy for our disappointments. And the second sign, Jesus healed a royal official son. Jesus is our assurance for our doubts. And then the third sign, he healed a man with a disability for 38 years. Jesus is God's strength for our disabilities. The fourth sign, he fed the 5,000 and we learned that Jesus is the bread of life. The fifth sign, he, he calmed the storm, and we learned that Jesus is God's peace for our despair. The sixth sign we talked about last week where he opened the eyes of a man that was born blind, had never seen the light of day, and Jesus is God's light for your darkness. And today we're going to look at the seventh sign where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, and Jesus is God's life for our death. Now, I don't know about you, losing a loved one hurts. And it seems like with each passing week, you know, a, a group of people this size, somebody's lost someone this past week. That's going to happen. You know, just a, a couple months ago, my father-in-law passed away. And, um, you know, it just kind of, we, we didn't expect it. We knew he wasn't doing well, and we thought he'd be all right. And all of a sudden, it took a turn for worse, and boom, there it is, you know. And when you lose a, a loved one, it can be hard. And, and many times when you lose a loved one, you know, grief sets in and you begin to wonder why. You know, why did this have to happen? Why do, why do people have to die? And if you haven't heard from God in a while or maybe you haven't sensed His presence in a while, many times you feel like God's silence is a denial of His presence. But I want to, I want to tell you this, just because God is silent doesn't mean He's absent. And God's delays do not mean that God is denying you. You're going to see that in this story as we look today. But what's ironic, and I want to kind of prepare you for this, is we look at the story of Lazarus in John 11. And I'm going to try to just read a selected portion because it's a really long chapter. But to, to let you know from the get-go, from the early verses of John chapter 11, we learn that... Um, that Mary and Martha, who are two sisters, and they have a brother named Lazarus uh, that was close to Jesus. He, he's sick, and they send word to Jesus, you know, hey, Lord, the one you love is, is sick. And, um, and Jesus doesn't do anything. He, he stays where he is two more days. But I want you to look at the story. I'll pick up in verse 4. When Jesus heard these news, here's what he said. He said, this sickness will not end in death, but it's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. 
And it says, now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. I mean, God loves us. He, he, he knows what's best for us, okay? And, and, and just because God is silent, just because God delays his, his, his coming, that doesn't mean He doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that He's denying or depriving you. There, there is a purpose and a plan here. And so it says that Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. And so when He heard that He was sick, He stayed two more days in the place where He was. And then after that, He said to His disciples, let's go to Judea again. And I'll skip a few verses there, but I'll tell you what happened is the last time they went to Judea, there was trouble. And the disciples particularly were concerned about Jesus' safety and their safety, and they're going, we're going back? Like, we had, we had trouble there last time. They, they didn't like you, Jesus, and it's kind of a hostile crowd. And, you know, if we go back, you know, bad things could happen. And, and then they're like, Lord, if, if, he's, if he's sick, if Lazarus is sick, he'll get better. You know, he's a grown man. He'll be all right. He'll get better. And so you fast forward there to, to verse 14, and it says Jesus tells them plainly, Lazarus has died. And I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let's go to him. Now, just a few verses prior, didn't Jesus say, as soon as he heard the word Lazarus is sick, he said this sickness will not end in death. This is for the glory of God so that the Son of God might be revealed, right? And uh, he stays two more days. And as they're about to leave, they're like, Lord, if he's, if he's sick, he'll get better. If he's sleeping, he'll wake up. And he finally has to say, he's dead. But let's go. And I'm glad I'm telling you now so that you'll realize later and believe. And so that's the, the, the setting of this story. Now, before we dive into it, let's kind of think about it for a minute. Why would Jesus wait? Why would he wait? And a lot of people have debated that. I think it comes down to two things. Number one, Jesus knew the Father's plan. I mean, the minute he receives word, Lord, the, love, the one you love is sick, Lazarus, he says, this sickness will not end in death, but it's for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. You know what you're seeing there? You're seeing a picture of Jesus who is one with the Father, who is in tune with the Father. I mean, He's not only the Son of God, but He's praying every day. He's close to the Father, and He has a sense of God's timing and God's purpose in His life. And as soon as He's given the news, He's like, this is not going to end in death. This is going to serve to, to, to glorify the, the Son so that He might be glorified in it and through it. And then the second reason why Jesus waited is He wanted His disciples to believe. I think we forget at this point that there's two other people that Jesus brought back from death. You remember the, the, the woman, the widow, I think, from uh, Nain? Uh, I think I got that right. He, he raised her up. And then remember the, the little girl and the parents? And He, he, went, into, he went in there and, and, and brought her back from, from life. In both instances, that was kind of like a, a fresh happening of events. It had happened, and he, he dealt with it head on and brought them back to life. But you're going to find out real soon that Lazarus has been dead four days. Four days. Talking about a day late and a dollar short. Uh, Jesus is waiting on God's timetable, and He's letting the Father prompt Him when and where and how to do. 
And so Jesus knew the Father's timetable, purpose, and plan, and He wanted His disciples to believe. I like what Wearsby said. He said, the fact that the man had been dead four days gave greater authenticity to the miracle and greater opportunity for people to believe, including Jesus' own disciples. Matter of fact, if you look at the the story and you trace the timeline, here's what you can conclude. It's something like this. On the first day, the messenger comes and tells Jesus, hey, Lazarus, the one you love, brother of Mary and Martha, he's sick. Jesus stays two more days. So day two, the messenger returns to Bethany. Day three, Jesus waits one more day, and then he leaves. And on the fourth day, Jesus arrives in Bethany, and Lazarus has already been dead four days, and he's in the tomb. So let's jump into the story in verse 17. I want you to notice the conversation with Martha in John 11, verse 17. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, less than two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. You know, many times when we talk about Mary and Martha, it's a different story in the scriptures where Mary's at the foot of Jesus and Martha's in the kitchen working and Martha's upset that Mary's not helping her. And a lot of times we kind of give Martha a bad rap. But I want to tell you, when you look at this particular situation and this particular story, I want to commend Martha for her faith. Because Martha, she takes the initiative, she comes to Jesus, she heard He's there, she goes out to Him, she tells Him, basically both sisters tell Him the same thing. You'll see next when, what Mary says, but they both say, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But, but Martha goes further than that. She says, even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. What faith? And so Jesus looks at her, and he always responds to faith. He says, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And then Jesus says this. He's starting with her point of faith, and he's going to lead her deeper into faith. Look at what he does. He says to her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Martha says, yes, Lord. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. I want you to see how rock solid Martha's faith is. Her response to the question, do you believe this? I want you to look at what she calls Jesus. Yes, Lord. She calls Him Lord. I believe you're the Messiah. She calls Him the Messiah. The Son of God who comes into the world. She says, you're the Lord. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. Nailed it. I mean, she knows exactly who she's talking to. 
and she affirms her faith in him. Now, even now, I don't think she can emotionally uh, uh, grasp and mentally comprehend what he's about to do. But as far as spiritually, as far as her faith, she knows who she's talking to. And she's like, you're the Lord. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. Martha didn't hesitate to affirm her faith. And in the Greek, it's written in the perfect tense, which indicates a fixed, settled faith. We would say it this way. I have believed and I will continue to believe. That was Martha's faith. Look at the conversation with Mary, her sister. We pick up in verse 32. As soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her crying, and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you put him? he asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. Jesus wept. Favorite Bible memory verse of all time, right? Just had to say it. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? You know, Jesus wept. You could read a few books on this. It's it's so profound because everybody's got a different angle on it. And I'm not even going to try to speculate on that, but I do want to mention something I know, and that is Jesus wept is the shortest, deepest, profound verse in Scripture. Uh, the word in the Greek there is a silent weeping. It's not the loud lamentation that the Jews were doing that were surrounding Mary and Martha. But the question would be, why is he even weeping at all? He knows who he is. And he knows what he's about to do. He's fixing to call Lazarus out of the grave. But it shows to me the humanity of Jesus. Even though he's God in the flesh, it, it shows the humanity of Jesus. And, um, and that's what I think is important here. And I like, I like what one person says. You know, the spectators look at Jesus' tears and they have interpretations, well, is he crying because he regrets that he wasn't here? Is, you know, what, what, what's going on? The, the point is, as you read the story as it's happening, no one fully grasps, certainly doesn't expect what's about to happen. How could they? It's never been done before. They've never seen it before. I mean, somebody that's dead four days, it's done. It's over. But look what happens next. This is the seventh sign in verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, there's already a stench because he's been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And the biggest understatement, so they removed the stone. I love that. I mean, what do you say to that? I mean, this is Jesus. She knows who Jesus is. And he says, remove the stone. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Remove the stone. So the stone is removed. 
And then Jesus raises his eyes and he's praying to the Father. He says, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd standing here, I said this, so that they may believe that you sent me. It's not a long prayer, is it? And after he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. Oh, man. You know, I've always been fascinated with time traveling, haven't you? And if I could give you my, my top five, scratch that, top, I was going to say top ten, but I'll say top five moments in Bible history where I wish I could have been there just to see it with my own eyes, this is one of them. No doubt about it, you know. And obviously the, the cross and the resurrection as well. But, but just to be able to see this. But, you know, we read the story and we're there and we're like, wow. Jesus knew what He was going to do. He, he was praying to the Father and he knew, he knew that the Father always hears His prayers. He was on God's agenda. He, he knew God's purpose. He was in line with God's timeline. And he knew that this sickness would not end in death. He called the shot before he took it. He waited for God to prompt him when to go. And when he got there, four days Lazarus had been dead. Everybody had already come to terms with it. Everybody had already accepted Lazarus is gone. It's over. And then he takes Martha back to her faith. And he says, do you believe this? And then he goes to the tomb and he prays. And then he calls out Lazarus and he comes out. What's the meaning of this sign? Well, I think there's two or three things we can take away from it. The first is Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Remember the conversation with Mary in verse 25? Jesus said to Mar uh, Martha, I mean, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? When we talk about faith in Jesus Christ, that is what it comes down to. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life? He proved it. He called his shot. And so Jesus is the resurrection and the life. I think that is the, the big message from this sign. Just like when Jesus fed the 4,000 men plus and he revealed to them, I am the bread of life. Well, now he's revealing to them at a post-funeral, nonetheless, that he is the resurrection and the life. You know, I, I like what one, uh, one preacher said one time. He said he'd... He had never preached a funeral before and he was nervous about it. And so he went to the, the Bible and said, you know, Lord, what do I say at a funeral? I've never done this before. And he studied the life of Christ. You know what he found? That Jesus, he, he just ruined every funeral he ever went to. Brought him back. Amen. And, and, and you look at the hope that we have in Christ. It, it it's, it's far surpasses death, hell, and the grave. It overcomes it because of Jesus. The second meaning of the sign on a practical note, is Jesus is the answer to our grief. Now think about that. Jesus is the answer to our grief. Now, Mary and Martha, 
they both came to Jesus. They had the relationship, and they, they could say this. They both said the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But you know what? They knew who to go to, didn't they? They knew who to go to. They knew who to trust. And I'm reminded of, you know, the Psalm 23, where it says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me, your rod and your staff comfort me. You know, the Lord is our shepherd, and He will walk with us through the valleys. He'll walk with us through the shadow of death because He's overcome it. He is the one that gets us through it. You know, the, the older I get, I, I'm not afraid to die. The thing that, that gets me more as I get older is the dying part. What do I mean by that? I'm, not, I'm okay with the outcome. I know where I'm going. But what am I going to have to go through to get there, right? You know what I'm trying to say? Uh, the process of dying can't be fun. But I don't want to fear death because I know that I know Jesus. And I know He's overcome that. And I know that I have hope in Christ. And He is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is our answer to grief. And there's a third and final thing I want to give you. Uh, the meaning of this sign, and that is that Jesus gives us hope in the face of death. I want to go back to that statement one more time that Jesus made to Martha. It really summarizes this story. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And the question I want to ask you is the question Jesus asked Martha. Do you believe this? If you do, it makes all the difference in the world. And if you don't, nothing else can help you. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe He is Lord? Do you believe He is Messiah? Do you believe He is the Son of God? Do you believe He is the bread of life that came from heaven? And anyone that eats the bread that He offers will never hunger again that he is the living water and if you drink the water that he gives you'll never thirst again matter of fact a well will, will bubble up inside of you that leads to eternal life i love what paul said in corinthians when he said to be absent from the body is to be what present with the lord and that's one way to say what jesus is saying here that if you if you believe in Him, you never really will die. Why? You just translate. To be absent from the body is to be present with Him. And that's the hope that you and I have in Jesus today. I want to encourage you today as we think about these seven signs that we've looked at in the Gospel of John. And two weeks from now is Easter Sunday. Hard to believe it's almost here, right? And I want you to think about this. You've probably heard it most of your life about Jesus Christ. He's Lord. He's Messiah. He's Son of God. But the question is this. Do you believe that? And I don't mean right here with your mind going, yeah, I've been taught that. Yeah, I accept that. You know, I don't mean believing with your mind. I'm talking about believing with your heart. Like to the point to where you can trust in and rely on the Lord Jesus Christ. You truly believe what He has done for you, and you're receiving that by faith. That's what I'm talking about. Sometimes the difference in heaven is 18 inches. 
We, we mentally agreed with something, but it never changes our heart. And I'm talking about trusting the Lord with all your heart. Today, you're going to have an opportunity to respond to that. And I want to encourage you to think about the words of Jesus. Do you believe? Do you believe? Well, let's all stand. Musicians and ushers, if you will come. We're going to have a time of response today. Father, we just pray right now that you would speak to each and every heart. Father, as we've looked at the signs, the seven signs in the Gospel of John, Lord, we know that one thing is clear. They all point to you, that you are the Lord, that you are the Messiah, that you are the Son of God. Lord, you are the living water. Lord, you are the bread of life. Lord, you are the resurrection and the life. Father, you are the only one that can change our hearts and change our lives. Lord, you're the only one that we can go to in our grief. Lord, you're the only one that can meet our need. Lord, you are the only one that can forgive our sin. So, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to each and every heart. Have your will and way in this service. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Ushers, if you'll go ahead, we're going to do our um, offering while the music plays softly. And while they're collecting that, you can also turn in your Next Steps card. And I want you to think about what God is saying this morning. Do you believe? Do you believe? Because... You've heard this statement before. I hadn't said it in a while. God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has children. What do I mean? What do I imply by that statement? That you've got to have a personal relationship with Jesus. You can't say, well, I grew up up in church. My dad was a deacon. My grandfather did this. My grandmother did that. And you, you, you you can't claim it by association or osmosis. It's you. It's your life. It's your heart, okay? Have you ever come to that point and that place to where you said, God, I believe. And you come to Him and you received Him by faith. That's the issue. Do you believe? Father, have your will and your way in this service. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's sing. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.